0: morning, Harvest Bible Church family and friends, and uh, we're so glad to see you here. Man, uh, that was a great job, Nick, Becca, family. So thankful for all that you do to uh, allow us to worship together as a church family, and I'm thankful that uh, even though you are in Caledonia, I'm over here in Henrietta, I'm thankful that uh, we can worship together from wherever we're at. And uh, there's been so many different um, Pictures, placards, whatever you want to call them, over Facebook uh, that basically is saying that you know the church has left the building. Yeah, that's right, because the church is not the building. Uh, other people have uh, put one out that says the church has been deployed, and it has because the church is out and about. And I'm so thankful for that. Can I just say I miss seeing all of you terribly. Uh, It's getting to be crazy. Uh, I just I look forward to seeing all of you so often, and man, we almost take that for granted that we just come to church facility every week and we gather together and we give hugs and we give high fives and fist bumps and elbow bumps and everything else. And uh, you know, I miss seeing all of you guys, and uh, I can't wait for the day. And some of you have seen the the meme that's going around on Facebook. Uh, with that comedian who just runs around the entire church giving everybody high fives. It's, it's going to be me the day we come back. So uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to giving you all a hug and uh, seeing you all again and throwing your kids up in the air and to, to, to fist bump the ceiling. And uh, so it's it's going to be a fun day when we can all gather again. But until then, we'll continue to meet through uh, social media, through Facebook Live and other things. And let me just encourage you right now, uh, you have an invite button, maybe you have some friends that want, may may need to hear what we have to say today, and and uh, so let me encourage you, just invite them, send them a text here real quick, and uh, hey John, good to see you, It's my brother, and um, my cousin Amy's been watching lately, good to see you on live as well, Amy. Uh, so at any rate, and all of you guys that are so faithful and here every week, thank you for your faithfulness and so forth, but uh, let me just say a couple of things that, by way of announcement, um, Zoom seems to be the way to go for like smaller group meetings and so forth, and so we are going to be um, going, going to use some Zoom stuff, uh, so, so let me just encourage all of you who have a computer, who have a smartphone, um, go ahead and when you have a free minute, download the, either the Zoom to your computer or Zoom app on your smartphone, and what we're going to be using that for is a little bit of interaction so that when next week... Mike uh, does his Sunday school, Uh, we're going to be able to stream it, but also have some interaction with each of the people that are in the classroom. So if you're a normal uh, person who likes to be uh, involved with uh, interaction in Sunday school, let me just encourage you to download the app. We'll send out an email link to everybody in the church and so forth. And those of you that want it, you can let me know. and We'll send you a link. But but just to make sure it works for some of you who have not are... Uh, not as familiar with it, we are going to do a test run Monday evening, kind of wait till everyone gets home. Well, everyone is home, but for those of you that are essential and uh, you have some time to get to the computer, we're going to try to do that around 7 o'clock on Monday night. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty simple process. Uh, once you download the app, once you download it to your computer, you do have to give Zoom permission uh, to use the microphone and to use the audio or the video and so forth. So it's pretty simple. So let me encourage you to get involved with that, uh, if at all possible. And, uh, I know that, um, uh, uh, it should work pretty good for, uh, most all of us. And, uh, so let me just encourage you to do that. And then we can have some interaction in Sunday school. Uh, this week, um, Hans Grindel has basically, uh, um, Put together a devotional that he's going to share with the men uh, in our Bible study group. Uh, since we can't meet in person, Hans has put together a study there, and we're going to hopefully the following week be able to use uh, um, Zoom for our men's Bible study. That way, once again, we can have some interaction there. So uh, it's a great way to have some fellowship and interaction. Uh, last night we had a few of us online through a Zoom meeting, and we were able to just do a little bit of a test run, and also. Um, be able to spend some time in prayer for today and for each other as men so we're going to be doing a lot of that over the next few weeks as we are uh, forced to stay inside and not gather as a as a fellowship so uh, just yeah lots going on and I know a lot of people are are just going stir crazy hey Val hey man there's a lot of people on so good to see all of you So, anyway, Monday night, 7 o'clock, if you want to be a part of the test run, we'll get Jim and Patty to send a link out to everybody in the church family, and those of you that may not necessarily be on our email list, if you want to be involved, you can. Uh, Just make sure I get your email or put it on the screen, and we'll make sure you get it. So, at any rate, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be today, and hopefully y'all can hear me pretty good. A couple of you said you can't hear, other people are saying they're hearing just fine, uh, hopefully, uh, you're in the group that can hear just fine, and uh, we're going to Second Timothy chapter 3, and uh, before we get started, let me just have a word of prayer, and uh, um, I want to just take take a moment to be praying for all of us, and uh, for God's God's word to, to ring true in our hearts and our lives, and um, it's amazing how the scripture lined up today with what's going on around us, and uh, so let's just take a moment and pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to come before you right now and say thank you for all that you are. Lord, uh, we just were able to sing with Nick and Becca, coming to the heart of worship. And it's not about us, it's all about you. And Lord, we're so thankful for that reminder through song. Uh, Lord, you said in your word that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And Lord, we want to lift you up. We want to lift you high uh, Lord, that you would draw all men to yourself through your word, through who you are, through what you've done for us on the cross of Calvary. And I ask, God, that you would work in our hearts this day. Lord, we know that uh, as we pray each and every week, Lord, that some churches, church families have already begun to to worship you, Lord. Uh, Lord, some of them were in the middle of the night, Lord. Last night uh, at three in the morning, I uh, just happened to turn Facebook on and see my friends in India, my brothers and sisters in India, worshiping you, Lord, and Lord, so for many parts of the world, they've already opened the word, and I pray, Lord, that it would accomplish your intended purposes, Lord. And yet for those who are yet to open the word today and those who are doing it right now, we ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would go before us, go with us, and come behind us, Lord, to accomplish your perfect will. Lord, we're so thankful that, Lord, as we say often, Lord, we don't have to live in fear. Lord, we want to be sensible, and we want to be... Uh, wise in the state in which we're living and with these viruses and the illnesses, Lord, but we know that our life is in your hand. Lord, if it weren't for the virus, we, we could get in our car tomorrow and be killed in a, instantly in a car accident. But Lord, we know that every, every moment of our life, every breath that we take is only because of you. And so Lord, we, we once again surrender ourselves to you. We put ourselves into your hands, Lord, to use us as you see fit, Lord, to work in our lives as you see fit, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to learn from these circumstances in our lives, Lord, because they're really revealing who we are and how we handle adversity and how we go through struggle and trial, Lord. I just pray you teach us those things that you'd have for us to learn, that we ultimately may become more like you. So, Lord, work in our hearts, draw us closer to you. And, Lord, I pray that Lord, all across the country, Lord, uh, those that are in service and underneath the, the, the hearing of your word, I pray, God, that it would accomplish your intended purposes. So, Lord, bring encouragement where encouragement is needed. Bring conviction where conviction is needed. And, Lord, we pray that your will would be accomplished in our lives. Pray your protection upon my entire church family, our friends, Lord, our, Lord, all those who are, uh, Lord, many are working in harm's way, Lord. They're working in the hospitals. They're on the front lines. I pray, God, that you would just keep them safe keep them healthy, Lord. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just be with those that have already contracted the virus, Lord, that they're struggling with it, Lord, that you just touch their bodies, touch their lives, and bring healing to them. And God, we'll just be careful to praise you for all that you see fit to accomplish. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. So once again, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And uh, let me just encourage you to follow along as I'm uh, reading from a Christian standard Bible, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. It says, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. Uh, When I began to read this a couple weeks ago, and I thought, my goodness, how it just happens to line up with what things are going on. Uh, Though there is not a direct uh, correlation to a coronavirus or the COVID-19 or whatever it may be. We see so many of the things that are happening, and yet they happen in that day as well. And uh, But we can see what was taking place. It says, But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, Demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. And it says, avoid these people. <clears throat> you know, as we come into chapter three of second Timothy, Uh, Paul speaks of the decline that is evidenced in the moral um, makeup or the moral status of mankind. In fact, Paul mentions 19 different characteristics uh, that are obviously noticeable during the people during the last days. And I personally believe that when Paul speaks of last days, he's referring to the days preceding Christ's second coming. Now here's the interesting thing. Though no man knows the day or the hour of Christ's return to earth... We do know from Scripture some of the characteristics of humanity that will be evident prior to his return. You know, over the years, there's been a lot of people. In fact, over a thousand different well-known people over the centuries have tried to predict the coming of the Lord. Uh, You know, they say, well, there's 2,000 years from creation to the flood and from the flood to jesus christ and from jesus christ to the end you know they try to have all these different areas in which they're trying to say well god is going to send his son jesus christ the trumpet's is going to blow at this time and the reality is we don't know it says not even the son of man knows till the father tells him the reality is no man knows the day nor the hour and so there's a big idea here within the Uh, prophecy circles that this is absolutely 100% referring to that this must be the end times and you know we could look around and say everything that's going on around us we're in the end days you know I'm sure that a hundred years ago things were happening in our in the culture of that day and age where people said the eminent return of the Lord is near I don't know when he's going to come but I do know this God's word gives us clear characteristics of those people of what they're doing, how they're living, what their attitudes are, what the characteristics of their life is prior to his coming. And so, um, at any rate, we need to know that we need to be ready when Christ comes. But these are the characteristics that are going to be evident in people. And I think there's going to be a shocking turn as we get to the end of the message of who you think these people are. We're going to say, well, there's all the people outside the body of Christ. Well, just... Keep your thinking cap on just for a moment. But some people think that the world we live in is going to get better and better until Christ returns. Eh, not going to happen. Uh, I have never met anybody who has uh, improved in the things or who had things or material wealth or, or material things that got better. Think of it in terms of you got, you got tires on your car. Uh, do they get better or they get worse in time? And yeah, we know that the rubber wears out. Things don't tend to get better. Things always tend to get worse. Um, think about your house roof. Have you ever had a house that never needed to be re-roofed? The shingles never wore out? The storms never beat against the shingles and never made them wear out? No, they wear out. you ever had a water heater that would last 75 years? Yeah, not typical. You know, If you get 15, 20 years out of a gas water heater in your basement, it's probably a good water heater. Uh, You know, things tend to break down. Things tend to get worse, but there's one thing that doesn't. It's God's love for us. And the church of Jesus Christ, no matter what culture does, no matter what the world does, no matter what government does, the church of God is going to go forward. And uh, we're so thankful for that. And so, but here in our text of scripture in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it gives us 19 characteristics of people and what they are like prior to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse because that's what nature does. And so anyway, says before we get started, notice these uh, two texts of scriptures I want us to be reminded of. Uh, First of all, 2 Peter 3 verse 3 says, Above all, beware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own desires. If that is not true of the culture that we live in, I don't know what else is. Uh, Jude verse 18 says, they told you in the end times there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. If we look around the world around us, those outside of the body of Christ, even some of those within the body of Christ, we see that they are scoffers. And the idea of scoffing is the idea that I don't believe. I don't believe that what God's Word says is so. I don't believe that what He says is true. Um scoffing as the idea that I belittle and I make fun of and I say I, I push it down and say, Well that's not really the truth. That's not really the case. You know, I, I believe something different. But in these two texts of scripture in Second Peter three three, it says scoffers will come. We see that going on all around us. So we see people who scoff at the Word of God. They scoff at the truth of Jesus Christ. And it says they follow their own desires. Well that's part of the selfishness that's involved in our text and Jude 18 it says they follow their own ungodly desires so depending on what text of scripture you're reading from the first phrase is an attention getter Uh, it says notice it knows what it says but know this or some of your text may say realize this in fact the NIV says but mark this in other words take close attention of this pay attention to this Paul is telling Timothy to take heed to know the characteristics. And if it was important for Paul to tell Timothy to, what, to notice what to look for and uh, what would be evident prior to the coming of the Lord if he were to come in that day or come in our day, shouldn't we take notice as well? And so we should be paying attention. We should be watching and being aware of and taking notice of and marking what will be evident so that we can be prepared in the coming of the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, as we see in our text here in 2 Timothy 3, right away in verse 1, it says, But know this, hard times will come in the last days. Hard times. That means difficult times. There there are going to be times that are going to be perilous. There are going to be times that are not easy. And our first inclination is to say, Well, that's the day we're living in. Things are really, really hard. I mean, when you can't go to the store and get toilet paper, when you can't go get paper towels, and when you can't go to the store and get canned goods, and when you, you, know, and you can't get rice, and, boy, these are really perilous times. Really, they're not really perilous. When you think of this is what a lot of third world countries go through on a regular basis. We've really realized that we've had it good for so long, but our minds want to say, well, this must be the circumstances prior to God's coming and I have to say this may not be the time that Christ comes it feels like it could be the time Uh, I I wouldn't be disappointed if it was the time but you know I know that when I die I'm going to heaven I hope you have that same confidence I hope that you have that same certainty Uh, and you can according to first John 5 says these things have I written unto you who believe on the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and I'm glad he uses that word no because it's not wish it's not think it's not You know, hope, I know that I can have that certainty of knowing that Jesus is my Savior and that when I die, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. So, you know, we don't have to worry about these difficult days and whether or not this is the actual time prior to the Lord's coming. We don't know if he's going to come tomorrow. We don't know if he's going to come, you know, in five minutes. We don't know. But we do want to be ready. But these are, as we see that day approaching, in the last days, he says, there will be scoffing. But the very first thing it says here is this. Perilous times will come. Difficult days will be here. And then it tells us in verse 2, the beginning of 19 different characteristics that are going to be evident, and even more so as we prepare for the coming of our Lord in these last days. So verse 2, it says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Wow, there is not one thing in that list that I would be proud to have as a part of who I am. Not one thing. As I look at this, I thought, wow. In fact, I I really do believe in this very first phrase, lovers of self, this very well may be the catalyst from which every other characteristic all flow from. Lovers of self. That really means self-centered my goodness, is there any other uh, characteristic that we would not want to be a part of who we are as being self-centered? You know, uh, I don't know if if your name was mentioned in public. If if someone said, hey, you know Joe so-and-so. Oh yeah, he's such a jerk. I don't know that I would want those kinds of characteristics to be the first thing that comes to their mind. And so, this really, the lovers of self, self being self-centered, is probably the catalyst from which every one of these other characteristics flow. And this is a picture of complete and total selfishness. It's all about me, as we say often around our church. There are a lot of people who live like it's all about me. It's all about number one. Rather than, about, rather than life being about the one. About Jesus Christ, about God the Father. And life revolves around them. And they make sure everybody knows that life is about them. They're self-centered. They're lovers of self. And uh, I think that's the day day and age in which we live so much of our public world. We're seeing some pictures of people who are going out of the way to be kind and friendly and generous and helpful. But there is a sin nature that is obviously evident. You know, And people, as I said a couple weeks ago, people reaching over the shoulder of someone else at the market to grab something out from underneath them. Uh, people cutting each other off on the roads. I mean, we're living in a selfish day because that's the heart of man. And so we've got to be careful with that. And not only that, uh, you know, this is one of the things that God addressed so early in in the history of mankind. Way back in the book of Exodus chapter 20 verse 3, it says, do not have other gods before me. You know, in other words, we're not to have other things that we worship. We're not to have uh, things that take the place of God in our lives and And when we make life about us, when we make life about how it affects me and what pleases me and what gratifies my flesh and what I long for, it's really as though I'm putting things around me that are gods that have replaced the one and only God. And so we have to be careful about that. So he says in Exodus 20, verse 3, Do not have other gods besides me? He was jealous of God. He said from the beginning, I want you to worship me and me alone. And in worshiping God, that removes the selfishness and the self-centeredness that is innate in our lives as human beings. In fact, being a lover of self screams that it's all about me. It's all about number one. Others don't matter, including Jesus. It just just matters what pleases me and what I want to do and when I want to do it and how often I want to do it and how long do I want to do it. It's all about me. And in the last days, he says, people will be lovers of self. I don't know about you, but I know that just in the everyday average actions of my life I scream that life is about me maybe yours that your life screams that too we get up in the morning we take a shower and uh, we clean our hair and we brush our teeth and we put on our nice clothes and we we want to make ourselves look presentable and look like we have it all together even though we may not Uh, we want to make ourselves look good to those that see us we're self-conceited we're we love ourselves and for a lot of people, it just goes beyond that too, where life has to revolve around me. But we're going to see more of this as we see the final days approaching before Christ's return. And Mark chapter 12, verse 30, verse 31, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The idea here is that we need to love God supremely. In fact, the one thing that stands out differently in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark versus the other Gospels on the same you know, verses, is that here he says, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. But he also says, all your strength. That means with all that is within us, we should make an effort to, to put our strength and our heart and our mind behind loving God and uh, to serve Him, and to worship Him, and to grow in Him, to spend time in prayer and and reading His Word. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So really, when we start looking at Scripture, God is very clear about this idea that we're not to be lovers of self. And when it creeps into the church, all the more uh, trouble it can cause, because it can cause division and discord and disunity, and that shouldn't be in the, in, in the church of Jesus Christ. So we had to put self down. In fact, John the Baptist said this way, he must increase and I must decrease. And so life is not about us. And if we're not careful, if we become lovers of self, every one of these other characteristics, these other 18 characteristics, will creep into our life before we know it. And we'll be that picture of those people that Jesus Christ says, uh, this is not good. So let's be careful about that. So not only lovers of self, we see also in verse 2, it says lovers of money. In other words, it's the idea that they're money hungry, they're covetous. It's like no amount of money will satisfy. It's like they got to get more, they got to have more. It's just like, you know, someone asked um, uh, how much money uh, is enough, and someone just said, well, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. How much is enough? How many million does it take to satisfy someone? How many billion? How many billions of dollars does it take to satisfy an individual or a family? Um, so often we see in our culture, we have more millionaires today in the history of mankind than we've ever had before in any other time. Uh, and yet, we have seen over and over again that money does not cure the itch of whatever it is that they're longing for. And so we have to be careful that money is not what drives us. God's Word makes it clear. It says in Proverbs 28, verse 22, a greedy one is in a hurry for wealth. He doesn't know that poverty will come to him. Uh, there was a show on TLC for a while back that says, how the lottery changed my life. It's amazing how often that someone, man, they, they wish for it and they hope and they, they just, they, they even pray that somehow, some way that they would get this windfall, this this lottery, that, you know, many unsaved people and even some saved people, they invest in, Not it's not an investment, they, they give into buying lottery tickets, and they're just hoping against hope that may, that, that somehow, some way, they're going to get the money, that, that going their number is going to be picked, their number is going to be chosen. And for some people, they get it. But the expectation of what they thought would change their life, it did change your life, but not how they thought it would. You know, pretty soon, all the cars that they had had to be sold off one by one to pay the property taxes of the, the big houses that they got. Well, then they go from three houses to two houses because they can't keep up the taxes. Then they go from two houses to one house and pretty soon they're downsizing and they justify it. Watch the show. The lottery will change your life but not for the good oftentimes. So a greedy one is in hurry for wealth but he doesn't know the poverty will come. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. There are people who want money so badly. They want, they'll want they do anything for it, and they think that when they get it, it's going to be so much better. But it says, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. I know people who have gotten wealth and have walked away from faith in God. It's easier to pay for whatever it is that I want than to trust God to do it in his timing, people say. And so the reality is they want what they want, Now, rather than in God's timing. And it may not even be a timing issue. It may be that God is saying no. But one way or the other, you're convinced and you're steadfastly trying to get what God doesn't want you to have. But in the last days, you're going to see more lovers of money. People who are money hungry. People who are covetous. Yet another characteristic that we are seeing more and more of in the world that we live in is that of grief. It says, piercing themselves with many griefs. Man, people in the world today have a lot of grief, a lot of struggle, a lot of mental angst, a lot of anxiety. Um, And I think a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it could be improved if we would just trust God, if we would say, God, you have my life. I'm surrendering myself to you. Uh, There are people who won't leave the house right now because of coronavirus. I mean, they won't even step outside the door. Uh, Family members who are wearing masks in the same house, on opposite sides of the house, that's just living in fear and allowing this thing to take over your life. You know, as I said over and over, let's live with wisdom. Let's live with sound judgment. But let's not live in fear. That's not what God has for us. We're trusting Him. Our life is in His hands. As I said, we could get the coronavirus and die. Or or if it weren't the coronavirus, we could get in our car and get in a car accident and die tomorrow. The reality is our life is in His hands. We need to trust Him. So... Let's go on here in verse 2. It says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. And then it gives us several more things. Boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. The word proud here literally has the idea of being arrogant. And it has, I'm sorry, boastful has the idea of being braggadocious. Um, Even in things they don't have. This is the idea in the Greek language here. They're braggadocious even in the things that they don't have. In other words, it, 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 it'd be a conversation like this. If I had a boat, it would be the this kind of a boat. It would have these kinds of options. It would have this kind of motor. It'd have this kind of outrigging system on it. It would have this kind of a depth finder. It would have this kind of a you know length to it so it could handle this kind of water and this kind of uh, waves and so forth. If I had, it's talking about things that you don't have. It's talking about things that you are being braggadocious about, you're being boastful about, and yet you really don't even have them. You know, if I had a cabin, it'd be this kind of a cabin in the woods, it'd have, be on this kind of acreage, and it'd be this kind of a log cabin, it'd be tongue and groove this way, and it'd have these options, and, and yet you don't have it. Yet there are a lot of people who brag in nothing. They're braggadocious about something they wish that they had, and a lot of people call this little man syndrome because they want to make themselves feel good. They want to make themselves feel big. They want to make themselves feel important. This is the idea of being boastful here. And then proud is the idea of being arrogant. It's an attempt to make themselves look better than others. If I put you down, I can make myself look better. If I talk about myself and, and then I get my, what, what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling in your mind, it makes me feel like I'm more important. And God's word said these things are going to be more and more evident as you see the day approaching in the last days. Demeaning. In other words, it's the idea of blaspheming. They make fun of, they try to be hurtful. In other words, uh, I, I'm going to say what you're saying is not true, it, it's a lie. And I'm going to blaspheme, I'm going to scoff, I'm, I'm just going to demean you, because once again, it makes me look bigger. And once again, let's go back to the very first thing, lovers of self. It's the catalyst from which all these others flow. So we need to be careful that we are not misconstruing, that we're mis, um, not, not, not being who God wants us to be when it comes to these things. And then it goes on to say disobedient to parents. So it even goes, looks at the younger generation. Do we respect what our parents are saying? What our parents have gone through? What they have experienced? What they know? Are we applying it to our hearts and our lives? Do we honor, value what they have been through as far as their experience so that we can learn from it? That's an important thing. Disobedient to parents. And until we are obedient to God, we will not be as obedient to parents as we ought. It all stems from that. And then it goes on to say ungrateful. Literally has the idea of being unthankful. Have you ever done something for somebody? Maybe it's something that cost you a fair amount of money. Maybe it wasn't even the money factor. Maybe it was just a fair amount of time you had to sacrifice some hours at work, or maybe you had to sacrifice some time with your family. Maybe you had to sacrifice you know, some hobby time that you, that you really looked forward to. But as you took this time, as you put together this thing for somebody, and you gave it to them, and you're all excited to be able to do it, and they just like didn't really care. That's the idea of being ungrateful. And we're going to see more and more of this as we see the day approaching according to 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says they're ungrateful. It really has the idea of un- being unthankful. I don't appreciate I'm not thankful. I don't have gratitude for all that I have. And let me just say once again, as I alluded to earlier, we have it far better than any third world country, even in the midst of our struggle, even in the midst of our frustration, even in the middle of the angst that's going on around us. The reality is that we still had a bed to sleep in and we had a roof over our head. We we're still eating fine. We we're still drinking fine. We we're still healthy. And we have so much to be thankful for. And yet God says the reality of people in the last days is going to be there's going to be an attitude of ungratefulness, an attitude of being unthankful. And then Romans chapter 1, verse 31 talks about the idea of the next characteristic of being unholy. In other words, I'm... Once again, stemming from the very first thing, lovers of self. I don't care what God wants me to be. I don't care who God, what God is trying to do in my life, how he's trying to chisel me and shape me and mold me into a picture of Jesus Christ like his own son, like our Heavenly Father wants us to be. It's the idea that I, I, don't, I don't care about being holy. I don't care about being righteous. I don't care about being set apart for God's service. I, I'm going to be who I want to be. I'm going to do what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to be what I want to be. And then in verse 3 it goes on and says unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good. Let's look at these one by one. Unloving, in other words, this in the Greek language has the idea of this. It's having a heartless attitude towards your own family members. Wow, I've had conversations and counseling sessions with people who don't get along with their own family members and i and i've heard the stories of how it is just it breaks the heart especially of a parent who has a child who's wayward it breaks the heart of a parent who tries to teach and invest and and build character into the life of a child and they just have blatant disregard for what they're trying to say and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to to accomplish in their lives but it's the idea that i just don't love them i just don't care about them this idea of being unloving, it has the idea of having a heartless attitude towards your own family members. Some translations may say without natural affection. See, it's natural when a mother has a child that they cuddle that baby and they bring that baby close to them and they nourish them and they love them. And uh, the whole idea is that they want to be close to them because it's a natural thing for a mother to love a baby. And it's a natural thing for family members to love each other. It says, so they were without natural affection. In other words, is the idea that even though it's natural to love one another, they don't. And this is yet one more characteristic of what we're going to see more and more as we see the last days approaching. So then it says irreconcilable this has the idea of being a truce breaker we've made a commitment we've made a bond we've made a pact with one another but oh well i don't feel like honoring it i don't feel like being committed to it so no more it's done it's over it's the idea that it's reconcilable i I, I've, i've determined that i don't want to be a part of this commitment anymore so i'm done with it no big deal no worries you're a truce breaker more and more. it says slanderer. The idea behind the slanderer is that they are false accusers. Wow, if we don't see this in the day and age in which we live, I don't know if we've, when we've we ever seen it. Uh, there are people on the news uh, nightly and in, in the radio daily. Um, it's the idea that uh, there are so many people who just don't want to follow What they know is true, they'd rather paint a picture of what they want you to believe rather than the truth that we know and understand. And so we have to be careful there that we don't uh, misrepresent the truth um, and so forth. Um, some people are saying that they're losing the, the internet, I'm not sure what's taking place, but uh, I, I can't control it, so we're going to keep going, and uh, I apologize for that, but at any rate, so without self-control, in other words, once again, they're uncontrolled, they they live for self, I don't have to worry about, um, I don't have to worry about uh, what other people think, or what they expect of me, uh, I, I'm just going to live for myself, I, I, I'm going to live for Whatever it is that pleases me. I, I'm going to live for whatever it is that brings me joy. Whatever, uh, um, uh, whatever brings me happiness in, in the here and the now. It's the idea that uh, I, I don't have to have self-control. I don't have to have discipline. I don't have to have what everyone else thinks I have. I, I'm living for me, myself, and I. The three of us are who's, who's important in my life. So uh, without, without self-control. And then it goes on to say brutal. The word brutal here has the idea of being untamed and fierce, indulging in self while inhuman to others. So I'm going to take care of myself and push down others at the same time. That's the idea of what this word brutal has in mind here. It's the idea that I'm going to indulge in whatever I want to indulge in, but at the same time say no to you, say no to what everyone else is doing. So we need to be careful there. Um, And then it says without love for what is good and despising what is good. Man, there are people around us that we know what is best for them. It's, it's like a child sometimes. We know that the vegetables are good for them. We know that uh, the vegetables are, are what makes them healthy. It's what helps them grow. It's what helps them become strong. It's what helps their immunity become strong. You know, so as a baby grows, you know, we feed them vegetables. Let me just tell you, though. Um, As you take off that little Gerber jar of baby food and start feeding it, I can remember seeing the looks on the faces of my kids as we were feeding them as babies. You know, they didn't like it. I mean, I I remember taking the lid off thinking, oh, this smells horrid. And yet we're forcing our babies to eat it with that little tiny baby spoon with the rubber, rubber all over the front of it so that they can, you know, not get hurt as they're eating with that spoon. You know, why did we force that down their throat? Because we knew that he needed it, that the baby needed it. So the reality is um, uh, we have to be careful that we don't become so self-centered that we live without love for what is good and push others down and be brutal in this sense and, and some of these things here that are, that, are say, uh, that are noticed here. And then in verse four, we come to another list of, of uh, characteristics. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So let's look through this. Traitors means you're informers. They're liars. They're traitors. They know what's right, but they're going to, you know, here's the thing. There are things that people say that don't need to be said. I'm convicted of this more and more as I get older. Um, When I was younger, I was like, man, if somebody did something stupid, you just kind of laugh at it and you kind of, you know, think, well, that was dumb. And we kind of talk about it. Well, probably the best thing to do is not talk about it. The best thing to do is pray for them and to realize that there are things that uh, aren't healthy and we shouldn't be a part of them. Uh, just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be said sometimes. Someone may have gotten in trouble. Somebody may have gotten involved in drugs. Somebody may be an alcoholic. Somebody may be an abuser. Somebody may be caught up in, in an area of sinfulness that is, that is reckless and shameful And just because it may be true doesn't mean that it needs to be talked about. And so this idea of traitor means that we're giving out information that doesn't need to be given out. And so then it says reckless. In other words, there is not care and concern in what you're doing. You're reckless. You're heading for a disaster. You're heading for something that will destroy you. Conceited. Has the idea of being high-minded. It has the idea of being... Uh, puffed up and once again it's all about me rather than about the one Jesus Christ and so lovers of pleasure in other words once again not just about pleasing self but it means pleasure centered the actions and activities of my life if I'm one of these people is that I live for the pleasure that life can give to me it's all about what I want what brings me joy what brings me happiness what brings me gratification, what pleases me. I will only partake in those things that are pleasure-centered. We need to be careful. Because uh, this is the characteristic of the day in which Jesus Christ says, I will be ready to return. In other words, there are three things that come to my mind here. Not just these three things, but at least these three things are true of the person who is a lover of pleasure, a pleasure-centered life. Number one, there are no absolutes. God help us when we come to the day and age that we live that we don't have absolutes. If life is all about what I think and what my opinion is, what my preference is, and what I believe is okay, Lord help us because everybody will have a different opinion. Everybody will have a different preference. And we need a moral and a ethical and a biblical absolute, and it's found in God's word. And so the Bible is our, as a child of God, as a part of the church of God, our authority, our absolute is God's word. And so a lover of pleasure does not have that absolute. Uh, A lover of pleasure has no boundaries. There's nothing that is not attainable. There's nothing that I cannot do. If I want to have an affair with a married person, too bad. That's the other person's fault. If I want to do it, I can do it. If I want to go over there and take something that's not mine that belongs to him, too bad. You know, it's, hey, if I can get away with it, so be it. In other words, there's just no boundaries. I can do whatever I want because I can do whatever I want. It's because I say I can do it, so it makes it right. But that's an area that we need to be careful of, once again, because that's a characteristic of those people who are living in the last times. And then number three, no inhibitions. I'm not afraid of anything. I think it's good to have a healthy fear, a healthy respect for what's going on in the world around us, uh, a healthy respect for law, a healthy respect for rules and regulations. No, they're not what we live by as far as I don't wake up every morning and say, Oh, I hope I don't, I hope I don't break any rules today. It's the idea that I'm living for the Lord, but I'm going to be respectful of what it takes to live in a culture that needs to be guided by a principle. And so a person uh, who is a lover of pleasure has no inhibition to do whatever they want. It's the idea of the old Nike slogan, just do it. Just do it. If you want to do it, it's fine. Uh, Do whatever you want, whenever you want. It's okay. You just, as long as you're happy, that's what's best. And here's the problem we come to in verse 5. So as we come into verse 5, it says this, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. They have a form of godliness. And here's what it means. Outwardly, I look like I'm a Christian. I mean, I come to church. I look nice. My clothes are clean. I got my Bible in hand. Uh, I'm going to talk the talk. I'm going to walk the walk. I'm going to look like I'm all good while I'm at church with other church people. And the reality is, it says they have a form of. They have a, an appearance of. They have an outward look of somebody who's walking with God. But the reality is God knows and they know that they're not. The reality is they look like a Christ follower, but truly they're not. They have a form of godliness. In fact, it doesn't just stop there. Unfortunately, God's word takes it one step further. He says, holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, they truly don't believe that living for God and truly being a Christ follower, truly living according to the principles of God's word, it doesn't have any power. It does nothing for me. And I would venture to say that they truly don't know Jesus Christ because when Jesus Christ comes into the life of a person who's truly born again, my Bible says is they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. The reality is they're a changed being. They're a changed person for all of eternity. Uh, They're no longer living for all these things that are true of their life. Uh, They're no longer lovers of self, as way back in verse 2. But here's the hard part. Here's the hard part. As I studied this passage this week, this is where I really struggled with this passage. I've had conversations this week that really challenged my thinking on this. Uh, Just this week, I had two conversations that were really hard, that were really frustrating, that caused me angst. Verse 5, the end of verse 5 says this, Avoid these people. Avoid them. How do you live in a world full of people who are unsaved, unchurched, who do not have a true faith in Jesus Christ, whose characteristic is truly they are lovers of self. And why would we expect anything different from a world that doesn't know Jesus Christ? Who are lovers of money. That's what they live for. That's what they, that's what motivates them. That's what that's why they put their shoes on every morning and go to work. We live in a world full of people who are boastful, who are proud, who are demeaning, who are disobedient to parents, who are ungrateful, who are unholy, who are unloving, who are irreconcilable, who are slanders, who are without self-control, who are brutal, without love for what is good, who are traitors, who are reckless, who are conceited, who are lovers of pleasure. How do we live in that world when God's Word very clearly says, avoid them? That's a hard thing to know, the balance of. In my flesh, right here and now, I want to say there's a black and white line. If I cross it, I'm okay, and if not, well, then I'm just living in sin because I've avoided what God's Word says. And I think this is where we have to balance Scripture with Scripture. And I think this is where I said that in the end, there's going to be a little bit of a twist here, and I'm going to come back to answer this question in just, for, in just a moment. And um, so something fearful enters my mind at this point. Just who is Paul talking to? And to whom is Paul referring to in this passage? He's really talking to Timothy directly. But really, he's talking and referring to the church of Jesus Christ. All along, as we've been going through 1 Timothy and as we're going through 2 Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy regarding the church of Jesus Christ. Could it be that even though we know that Christ is going to come one day, even though we know that his... Second coming could be very imminent, could be at any moment. Could it be that all these things that he's referring to is really referring to those who are in the body of Christ right now? I have to wonder if that's really the case because I think it is. Because all along he's been talking to the church or about the church. And so these things ought not to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ, right? We should not have these characteristics in the body of Christ. But we're going to see more and more as we see the coming of Christ appearing, uh, His appearing coming, drawing nigh or drawing closer to us, we're going to see these characteristics come into the body of Christ. And we need to guard against it with all that we have, with all that we can do, that we need to be true to the Word of God, that we need to be passionate about following Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure these things don't enter the body of Christ. Paul was talking to Timothy He was giving the characteristics of things that would be evident as we see the day of Christ approaching. Once again, do I know the day or the hour? No. Do I know the time frame of when Jesus Christ is going to come? No. But I know that these characteristics will be more and more evident as we see Christ appearing draw nigh. And so, in the church, we have to be careful about our thinking that this could not be part of us. I would challenge you. I would submit to you today that there are churches all over America that are giving into being worldly. We're going to give into whatever pleases man. We're going to give into whatever will draw a crowd. We're going to give into whatever it is that will make men come and uh, make them happy. And we're going to—you you see it every week on TV. You have people who are—they uh, won't preach against sin. They will not preach about ungodliness. They will not preach about unrighteousness. They will not preach about sinful and harmful and angry attitudes they're not going to preach about anything they want their message to be all light and fluffy and encouraging and comfortable and they won't preach anything that the holy spirit has the ability to use as a form of conviction in the heart of someone who's living in sin this is the church that jesus christ is talking about here in his word this is the church that paul is warning against the young timothy Make sure that these attitudes do not come, but we're going to see it more and more as we see the day of Christ approaching. Notice that every one of these characteristics mentioned above have been around since the beginning of time. These are nothing new. But I think we're seeing a more abundance of them in the church. We'll see more and more as we see the day approaching. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We do need to be careful. Let's come back to this just for a moment. So all these characteristics, he said, avoid them. We need to be careful that we don't allow their character, their attitudes, their um, traits that are ungodly and harmful and sinful and unbiblical, that they don't become part of who we are. All the more with the struggle of how do we live in a world where this is the obvious reality But when it creeps into the church, we need to be even more careful. We need to be even more particular about what we are in the sight of Jesus Christ. We need to be careful who we make our best friends. We need to be careful who we spend most of our time with. We need to be careful that we're being filled with the Spirit so that they don't have an impact on us and our impact goes on them. This text reminds us that we need to choose our church carefully as well. We need to be careful what kind of church we choose. Do we want a church that's going to be true to God's Word and make sure that what we follow? You know, listen, I I don't care whether you're Catholic or Lutheran or Methodist or Church of God, Church of Christ, Baptist, American Baptist, Southern Baptist, General Baptist, Regular Baptist, I, I, I don't care. I don't care what religion you claim. What I care about is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as as one who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, being a Christ follower, I need to be in a body of believers who are like-minded, who are going to base what they believe and practice on the principles of God's Word, and that's what matters. We need to be careful that we're not just... Believe in anything and everything that comes down the pike just because so-and-so who's on the radio said it. Just because so-and-so who's on TV said it. Just because so-and-so who wrote it in a book said it. We need to be careful that what we anchor our life on, what we do is based on this book and nothing else. So the church that we choose to be a part of is important. Our church ought to be different than the world we live in. It ought to be different than the world we live in. Ed Niram Judson said it this way, and I'll close in just a moment. Ed Judson said it this way: great missionary of yesteryear, he said, "When the world influences the church, the church will lose its influence in the world. If there is no difference between us and the world, between the church of Jesus Christ as Christ followers, if there is no difference between us and the world that we live in, God help us, we have no impact." We'll not see anyone come to know Jesus Christ. And we'll be just exactly like the church filled with these people that we've talked about today. Having no impact, making no difference. God help us that we don't allow the world to influence the church so that we lose our influence in the world. And remember, it's not the building. It's not the four walls. It's what Jesus Christ is doing in us because we're the ecclesia, we're the called out ones, we're the church. And what's in us ought to be different than what's in the world. We don't live for the same things. We don't have the same values. But we know that there are going to be certain characteristics that will be more and more evident as we see the last days approaching before Christ will come. So once again, lovers of self. This is the very thing that, from which everything else stems from. Lovers of self, self-centered. Lovers of money, boastful. Proud, uh, demeaning, disobedient to parents, uh, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, having a form of godliness, but denying, denying the power thereof. God help us that these things will not be part of our church, but we will see more and more of this as we see the day of Jesus Christ approaching. I don't know when that day is, friend. I don't know when that day is going to come, but I know that I want to be ready. I know that I want to be prepared when Jesus Christ you know, comes for his children. When, this, when, the, when, the, when the trumpet blows, I want to say, thank God we're going home. I want to be ready, and I hope that you do too. And can I just say, if you're watching, I don't know how many of you are online. I don't know how many of you are part of a, a faithful body of Christ. I, I just want to say that I don't, I don't care where you go to church. Initially, I don't really care what you, what you think is the right denomination, right, what you think is the right religion. What I care about in this moment is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. say, so, well, how is that possible? Well, very clearly, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I have to admit that I'm a sinner. That's letter A. The first thing that we teach our kids as children is the ABCs, and we sing that little song with them. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23, we're all sinners. B, Be, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the reality of just saying, I want to believe in Jesus Christ. I want to trust him. I believe that Jesus Christ is, he, is who he says he is. He did what he said he did. I believe, I put my faith and trust in his finished work on the cross of Jesus Christ. And then let us see confess and call romans ten nine and 10 says for with the heart one believes but with mouth confession is made so i want to confess that jesus christ is who he says he is he did what he said he did and i want to believe with all my heart that he's real he's changed my life he's he's made my life something different than what it would have been apart from him he's changed everything for me he's made me a new creation in christ jesus so i'm going to confess jesus christ And verse 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't know about you, but it's a simple prayer. My prayer can't save you. Your parents' prayer can't save you. Your parents' faith can't save you. It's your own faith and trust in Jesus Christ that will make you a follower of Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him. It's a simple prayer, and I'd love to lead you in that prayer. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I would love to lead you in that prayer. My prayer can't save you. My faith can't save you. But if you truly want to know Jesus Christ, it's a simple prayer. And this is where it starts. If you want to make that commitment today, you can pray along with me. You can repeat after me. I'll just lead you in that prayer. But it's your faith, your trust, your actions that are what will make you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a simple prayer like this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, say it with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross. You shed your blood that I might have forgiveness of sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And today, I put my faith and trust in you. I call on you to be my Savior, to be my Lord, and help me to live for you and do what is pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Maybe you. You're here today, and that's the first time you ever prayed that prayer. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're now a child of God. Heaven is your home, Jesus is your Savior. You have a relationship with Him. Can I just encourage you to begin to read God's Word, to pray, spend some time with Him in, in the Word, and to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Listen, the greatest factor in any relationship, whether it's between me and my wife, me and my kids, You and your employer, the greatest factor in any relationship is communication. This is how God speaks to us. This is how we speak to God. So if we work on that relationship, we can grow and become more like Him and be pleasing to Him. So let me just take a moment. Maybe uh, this morning you prayed that prayer. Send me a message. Send me a direct message and say, hey... I prayed that prayer today, and I know I'm excited about this new new direction in my life. And I'll simply just pray for you that, that God will continue to grow and you know grow stronger and uh, in your in your life, and that you begin to just trust Him with everything you got. <clears throat> I would love nothing more than to, to to take that time and pray for you, if that's the story in your life. Let's take a moment and pray, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for working in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that these things, whether or not your imminent return is here or not, I pray, God, that these things, these characteristics, these circumstances would not creep into our lives. But, Lord, that we would have influence in the world around us because we are living differently, because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, work in our hearts to draw us closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just encourage you. Thank you, Nick and Becca, for, for leading us in worship today. That's so exciting, and uh, to have that opportunity to sing along with you in our respective homes and places of, uh, you know, it's just awesome to be able to come, on, come together online. Thank you for doing that, Nick and Beck. I appreciate it, and your kids, they're awesome. Yeah, Beck, they scream a little bit. Big deal. That's part of the fun. It's all good, and thank you for being open to doing that for us. And. Uh, so we have the worship of the music, worship in the word through God's word. We are able to, you know, just look at God's word as it expounded through 2 Timothy 3 here. And we'll be hitting the next passage at the beginning of verse 6 next week. Actually, probably two weeks because we're going a little bit different next week. Um, and now we have opportunity to give through, uh, worship through our giving as well. And you can always do that through our face, not our Facebook, but our uh, uh, website. And encourage you to do that and uh, be faithful in that area as well. And I know God will bless, so continue to work in our lives and, God is faithful, and I'm just so thankful that he is faithful, and so I'm continuing to be faithful to him as well. So thank you for joining with us today. If you have any questions, any comments, message me, and uh, we'll continue to grow together as we continue to study God's word. Amen? Have a great day.